Welcome to Fan the Flame, the podcast with Pastor Scott Owens and Aaron Owens. Welcome to the first episode of Fan the Flame, the podcast. Uh, if you listen to the pilot episode, you know that my dad wasn't with me, but he is here with me today. Uh, Pastor Scott Owens of Northside Baptist Church, he is here with me today. Say what's up, Dad. Hey, what's up, everybody? He is here. He was painting uh, the other day, which absolutely sucks. Um, the painting is terrible, but uh, we're excited about uh, doing this. Are you excited about doing this? I'm very excited, extremely excited. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great thing. And uh, so if you uh, if you saw the title of <clears throat> today's uh, episode, you saw that it's a pretty uh, pretty common question. Uh, why is going to church so important? Do we even need to go to church, especially like living in the day and age that we're living in, uh, 2020, to new decade? Uh, is church sort of irrelevant? Is the church really dying? Why are people not wanting to go to church anymore? And it's a real question. It's a real issue. Um, it's a it's a good question, I think. It's, it's a, a phenomenal a, question. Church has uh, has changed a lot uh, as far as defining what church is, uh, doing church. I think there is this uh, desire within people to uh, get into something that's real and not so structured. Uh, knowing that you're sitting across the aisle from somebody that's going through life just like you are. Uh, I think that uh, we're seeing a slow fade away from church attendance. A lot of people aren't going to church like they used to go. But I also see also uh, in 28 years of being in ministry, a lot of people coming to church that normally wouldn't come to church, uh, finding that connection. So there's a lot of dynamics within church that is uh, changing, shifting, uh, for the better, I feel, uh, yeah. than what it was in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a very important topic that we're discussing today. Yeah, I do too. And and just a little, sort of like a little history on, on myself and, and, and you, Dad. Um, you, you didn't grow up in church when you grew up. No, I did not. I was not raised in church. Uh, when I would attend church, uh, we, uh, we attended a church that was very legalistic, uh, everything you did was wrong. Everywhere you went was wrong. Uh, trying to fit into this uh, strict, rigid uh, mold and feeling f- defeated all the time. Uh, I remember when I was 16 years old, I uh, went to a Motley Crue concert. And uh, while I was in church, the pastor jerked me up front, told me he would throw me out of the church if I ever went to another concert like that. And so... Wow. Uh, it's by the grace of God that I even, you know, am sitting where I am right now because that could have left a real bad taste in my mouth for church, for God, for, for Christianity, for the gospel. Uh, thank God, you know, uh, God had other plans for me. But yeah, I wasn't really raised every Sunday, you know, every Wednesday. Going to church for us was, you know, uh, not just a major part of, uh, of our family's dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and then for me, obviously, um, <clears throat> being born and raised in a pastor's home, um, well, gosh, you could you could testify to this more than I could. You know, I don't know how quick it was after I was born that we were in church. 
Um, do you do you recall how quick it was? I was in church. Uh, yeah, you were in church uh, from conception on until now. Uh, well, you know. Uh, Let's just get it out of the way that I was not conceived in no, church. No, but that would be a whole new story. That's a whole new definition of anointing, yeah, uh, yeah. being conceived in church, which yeah. I do not. We do not approve of that message. No, um, but no, I can remember growing up. We were in church. Jesus, God, all from every Sunday to Sunday night to Wednesday night to Bible studies that were going on throughout the week oh, yeah. to every event the event the church held. Um, we grew up all the time. I, I don't I can probably count on one hand how many times we actually missed church, um, which it's different being a pastor and a pastor's family. You kind of you're kind of obligated to be there. It's not even an obligation. You just kind of have to be. You you know you have to be there. So uh, I grew up in church every day of my life, pretty much until I graduated high school, went off to college, and that's where I kind of started drifting away from going to church, and uh, and it felt pretty good at, to be honest with you but at the same time it felt I was miserable and I was in the worst state of uh, my heart was in the worst condition it had ever been spiritually speaking um, without being in church um, but what I want to do right now is kind of talk about what it what is church what is, what what is what is uh, I know I guess a term that most people would use nowadays like what is organized religion what is church? Um, you know, you hear the word church and so many different things pop into your head. You know, you have, you say church and people automatically think of different denominations. They automatically go to Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, um, different things. And then most people, they, you hear the word church and a, a completely different definition pops up in their head. So what, what is church, biblically speaking? Biblically speaking, church is uh, a gathering of born again believers, people who are Believers in Christ Jesus, uh, uh, they gather together in a, uh, a set location um, to hear the Word of God. Uh, there's a lot of definitions of church. We've kind of trying to redefine church. We talk about church being communities now uh, and such of that. And and if you look at the word church in uh, you know in the Bible. Uh, it's just an assembly of called out believers that have been called out of the world. We meet together uh, in a, a geographical location uh, around the word of God. We meet to hear from God. That's where we meet to hear from God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just studying this morning for tonight's Bible lesson. And, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say or is it, are we commanded to, uh, to meet on a certain day of the week. Wow. The reason that we meet on Sundays it's not by commandment, but it's a commemoration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ought to be worshiping, uh, man, seven days a week. And, yeah. you know, today's Christian, they feel like if they go to church, uh, they find their spot, and they sing a, a song or two, uh, they hear a message, they give their, uh, their money uh, into the church. If they meet one day a week, then, uh, you know, the other six, they can live like hell. Yeah, but yeah, they have that one true. day they give it to God, and uh, and so we have really gotten away from what the New Testament local church is, and uh, the majority of the references that you read in the Bible uh, are not references to a universal church; they are references to local geographical uh, churches that have been planted, of course, by the Apostle Paul uh, in these different areas: Ephesus, Thessalonica, Corinth. 
you know, these different areas that uh, that Paul went and journeyed to on his three, you know, missionary journeys started these places, uh, these churches for believers to meet and, and to gather together. And so the church is for believers to come together, to fellowship, to hear from God, to encourage one another, to be edified, to be lifted up. And we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away. And it's no wonder why nobody wants to go to church because right. we are so far off uh, off what the, the local New Testament church that, that God set up in right. the Word of God uh, meant for it to be. Yeah, and I remember you saying... Um... I don't remember if it was last year or the year before last. Uh, I can specifically remember this. It was a Sunday morning, I believe. And you stood up. It was, if I want to say it was at the beginning of the year last year, because I remember you standing up and it was almost like this new refreshed vision that God had given you as the lead pastor of this church as to what we as a church were going to be. Our, the main concern of why we were gathering together, what it was going to be. And I remember like specifically you saying that the reason that we're going to come together is to see God's glory manifest in us and around us. And then ultimately our purpose is to give him the glory back. That's exactly uh, right. I mean, the book, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that he has set eternity in our hearts. And what we need to understand is, is that when we come to church, we come for manifest presence. Mm. There is that presence that is here but is it manifest presence? And so we want to, we want to uh, encounter the manifest presence of God every time we meet and to know in our hearts that he is working here and right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you read the Old Testament, it was all about the glory of God, the tabernacle, the temple, the glory descending from heaven down. You know, uh, the prophet said, rend the heavens and come down Uh, if you go to church and there's not a shaking of the presence of God, you are in a dead church. Wow. You're in a dead church. God has got to do some shaking uh, to allow us to, to, to be aware that there is a presence here greater. And I think people are being drawn to places where they sense that presence. They're not into the experience anymore. They're into the encounter. Mm -hmm. They want to encounter someone, not experience something. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. And something that you just said is, you know, nowhere in the Bible do you ever see that church is supposed to happen once or twice a week on a specific day at a specific time. Uh, It's almost as if, would you agree or not, the Bible is saying church never really stops. Church never stops because church is about worshiping God and hearing from God. But we have, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. We have made church so complicated yeah. that we almost, like Jesus told the Pharisees, you are keeping people from the kingdom of God. And, you know, and we have become, you know, I am, I am so against uh, organized religion. Yeah. Uh, denominationalism is killing our, our, our churches because, you know, I was asked one time here at the church and it really just flew on me like hot water. Somebody asked me, what camp do you belong to? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What camp do I belong to? And I knew exactly what this individual meant by what camp I belong to. 
And you know, I belong to the family of God. I don't belong right. to a camp. I belong right. to a family. Right. And so we have made church so complicated and so structured and so rigid that people that are broken, people that are stained, people that are uh, stuck in addiction and, uh, you know, don't look like your normal, as we used to define, church-going person, they don't feel welcomed because they feel like they don't fit in or measure up to what the church says. Hey, this is what we think you ought to look like. When in all reality, that is not what Jesus or God meant for his church to be. We are a hospital for sick and broken people. And so if we are missing that point, we're just a bunch of people gathering on Sunday to pat ourselves on the back on Monday morning, drinking coffee, say, hey, we've done our part for God. Wow. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, and I agree with you 100%. It is that is that is exactly what is taking place which which you know, it it doesn't surprise me honestly, which kind of just sort of allows us to transition into like the next point is like you said at the beginning, there's almost like this turning away that we're seeing um people going to church, not wanting to be a part of church. It's almost like they're people are disgusted nowadays with the thought of um, being a part of a local church. And I honest, honestly, I don't blame half the people. Uh, you know, when you talk to people who say, I don't want to have anything to do with church, and I sit down and have a conversation with those people, and I hear the reasons as to why they don't want to be a part of a local church, I end up agreeing with every single point that they make, and I tell them, and I have to, you know, be very upfront with them, I wouldn't want to be a part of a local church that was like basically what they just described to me either. Uh, because, you know, like you said, church has become such a twisted thing. Um, from what it was originally designed to be, which was a place for human beings, broken human beings. Let's just say that broken human beings, sinful people who who have been saved by the grace of God. And even churches for people who haven't been saved yet either. I mean, it's for people from all walks of life, wherever you are in life, to be able to come and, and be in the presence of God, hear a life-changing message from the truth of God, experience, uh, uh, not experience, but being a time of, of worshiping God for His goodness, it's just who He is, giving them the glory that he, he so greatly deserves. And there's almost like, but it, it seems like, especially in the day and age that we're living in, there's like this turning away. And I love how we, we act like it's a new thing, but it's not a new thing. People have been turning away and running away from church for, for decades. Am I right? I mean, honestly, oh, yeah. it's been going on since, I mean, you were born in uh, 19, what, 70? Yeah. And I don't know, you obviously didn't grow up in church, so you didn't see it as much, but you, when when did you become a pastor? Uh, I was saved uh, March the 21st, and uh, God called me into the ministry April the uh, 16th. So I've been in the ministry this year, 28 years. And, wow. okay. Uh, so 28 years, you've seen people turning away from church during the entire entirety of 28 years of ministry. I have, and a lot of the blame, and I hate to even use that word, but uh, we pastors have dropped our responsibility uh, as the leaders of the church. I don't know where we pastors have come up with the, uh, the idea that we are the rule and authority in the church, and... Uh, I hate to break it to a lot of my pastor friends and a lot of pastors that may listen to this. You have no authority in the in the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Right. You. It's like I told somebody the other day. 
I am nothing but a servant that God has put here in this church to serve Him, yeah. serve Christ. Yeah. And for me to walk around thinking that people need to obey me and people need to submit to me is actually taken away from what their faith is all about, and that is obeying Christ mm-hmm. and submitting to His Lordship. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons when I have conversations with people, and I know you've had this conversation with people as well, and maybe you who are listening to this, you know, you have been asked multiple times in life, you know, why do you go to church or why do you continue to go to church? You know, it's almost like it seems like a regular thing nowadays. It's like in the news, you know, pastor scandal here, pastor scandal there, church scandal here, and we see what's going on with these pastors all over the world. And a lot of people's, you know, response to why they're not going to church anymore is because they don't like the idea of this one person having all the power and having the authority. And people have an authority problem and they don't want to be placed, considered uh, being placed under authority of someone. And so the the position of a pastor nowadays, um, there's a lot of pastors out there that are, I believe are real biblical pastors. They've taken on the biblical definition of a pastor and they're living that lifestyle. But there are a lot of pastors who are not living the lifestyle of a biblical pastor. So do you have anything at all on on what it means to be a pastor, like biblically speaking? Yeah, you know, we're going through 1 Peter right now. And Peter deals with shepherding the flock of God and dealing with pastors. And, you know, when I moved out here to Texas uh, 15 uh, years this year, I told God that I wanted to be a part of a New Testament church. Uh, I'm tired of people telling me how church is supposed to be run and how church is supposed to be, you know, structured. And, you know, I'm not one of these that gets on the internet and whatever Joe's on there flipping around some fad that says, hey, this is the way church is supposed to be. It works. And I jump on that bandwagon. Uh, I'm kind of a rebel. I don't care what Every Joe on each corner tells me what church. I want to know what God says church is supposed to be because he's the one that built the church. He is the one yeah. building. Jesus said, I'm, I'm building my church. And yeah. why would I take, why would I take that out of the, the, the master builder's hand and right. try to think, think that I can do something that he can do better. And so pastors have, uh, have gotten uh, really out of hand, yeah, and yeah. and I am one, so I can talk with authority in this area. And uh, you know, I want to, I want to back up just a minute. You know, at our church here at Northside, we're not we're seeing people wanting to come to church, man, and it's yeah. something that uh, I've always dreamed of seeing people wanting to come to church, people eager to get to church, people with Bibles in their hands, yeah. digging in the Word of God. And I think there again, it rests on the pastor's shoulders. Right. There's a verse in First Peter. That I think just just absolutely uh, just brings this thing down, and and Peter's writing to to pastors, and he's writing to believers that are just in this dispersion, and they're discouraged. And man, you know, I don't know why he saw fit to plug this into his epistle, but evidently they had some questions about shepherding, mm-hmm. and so like everybody, what is my job? All you do is sit around and you know, read all day or you, you're on the golf course, and which I don't play golf. But he said this in 1 Peter 5, 3, not domineering over those uh, in, in your charge. And he says this, but being examples mm. to the flock of God. That's a big word. Now, here's what you need to understand. We are told from God's word that we are not to be domineering 
over the ones God has put us in charge of. Exactly. Okay. And and so every believer has a responsibility to belong to a New Testament church. Now, let me say this. Just because you drive by a building and it has church on it doesn't mean it's a New Testament church. Wow. And so in your responsibility to be a part of a New Testament church, you have to, and you have to remember when Paul did his missionary journeys, when he wrote the book of Acts, when he wrote the book of Corinthians and all these epistles to the, these churches, you have to understand that in these towns of Ephesus and Thessalonica and Corinth, there was not this smorgasbord of churches on every corner. And so when you look for a church, you need to have your Bible in your hand looking for a church, wow. not what programs they uh, offer your family to make your family happy. Is this church lining up with the word of God as a defined New Testament local body of believers? Yeah. That's so good, yeah. And, and that's, that, that's, the, that's the one thing that I think we're so blessed here at Northside with is, you know, I, when I first came on as a pastor, when God called me to preach, and then I became a, uh, the associate pastor and the youth pastor here at Northside, and you can attest to this because you were the one that sort of brought me home. Um, when I first started doing ministry here at Northside, I was, young, I was young and dumb in the ministry and still am to this day. Um, but I've learned some things and I've been through the, you know, the tough, you know, scoldings and the learn and the teachable moments and the, uh, the experiences that have, you know, been tough, but I look back on them and I'm, I thank God that I was able to, to experience these things. But when I was young and, and ignorant in the ministry, I was pretty much looking to every other pastor, um, other than my own, believe it or not, you know, that's what was crazy is I was looking at all these other pastors all over the country who are ministering in so many different areas and so many different styles of churches and types of churches who are ministering to, uh, completely different types of people that we're ministering to. And what I was doing is I was trying to, it was almost like I was trying to take what they were doing, uh, and their church and sort of bring it into Northside and trying to copy and paste it into a way where I thought it was going to be successful. And I learned at a very young age through uh, trial and error, a lot of trial and error, and through having sit down and you having to sort of bring me back to earth um, in a very, you know, like a good leader does. And sort of reminding uh, me that, you know, being a pastor carries a lot of responsibility. So, you know, a a pastor's life is not one that, you know, uh, I would sort of encourage people to go into you know they, we live in a day and age where like some for some reason everyone and their mom wants to be a pastor and so uh, I heard a guy the other day he was talking to a young buck and he was like the young guy was like hey I want to I feel like God's want me to be a pastor and this guy I was hanging out with was like okay for the rest of the week I'm going to do everything I can to discourage you from being a pastor um, and if at the end of the week you still want to be a pastor then you know this could be a genuine calling from God. But I think that we live in a in a time where pastors are held at such a high like on such a high pedestal, and they're they're almost would you agree with they're almost being worshipped more than God in these churches? They are. Yeah, and so everyone wants to be a pastor because it looks fun and it looks cool, but no one sees what's going on behind the scenes. And being a pastor is the opposite of being a fun a fun job. I mean, I I I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's a tremendous calling. Um, but being a pastor is, it's a dirty job and you get your hands dirty and life gets dirty. Your heart gets full. 
Um, you, how you carry a lot of emotion around. You live a life that seems like you're kind of uh, living in a glass box at times. Everyone wants to know what you're doing and how you're doing it and what you're saying and how you're saying it. And you love to, everyone loves to pick on the pastor. Uh, you know what I mean? And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, and there's a difference. Would you agree with this? Speaking to speaking to the church, um, there's a there's a difference between a pastor who sees himself as the head of the church and a pastor who sees himself as a part of the church. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would definitely agree with that because you know I learned something last year that really helped me, and I read it from a another pastor, and he said, you know, instead of griping about what's wrong with our church. I started thanking God for a place to teach and preach. Yeah, and exactly. I've started thanking God for a place to teach and preach, and my love for for Northside has has grown. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't ever a lot. I didn't, you know, I never, you know, my love diminished for, mm-hmm. for this church, but it has gone to a new level because even in my studying, I find myself changing in the way I study. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pastors nowadays, they can they have a world of information at their fingertips. Right. And, you know, I've made it a goal of mine. Maybe there's a young pastor listening or, you know, needing some help in this area. I've made it a goal of mine to take my computer off of my desk, away from me. So all I've got in front of me is my Bible. And because, you know, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. I've mm-hmm. got well over a thousand books in my study. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's like 50 of them that all say the same thing about a passage of scripture. Mm-hmm. And, but we don't put the time in. I mean, let me tell you something. The Bible said in Ecclesiastes 12, much study is weariness to the body. Mm-hmm. Pastors have a job. Uh, you know, my son-in-law said something this weekend, you know, I was helping him move uh, and my daughter and uh, your sister. And my wife is kind of, you know, pounding on me about, you know, I'm not good with tools. And he made a statement. He said, man, you got plenty of tools on your desk. And I said, what do you mean? He said, those pens. I mean, he said, you're writing sermons. That's your tool bag. And I thought, man, that is awesome. You know, and uh, I wanted to read a verse of scripture out of Hebrews because this has hit me. I don't know why we're on pastors, but I think a lot of people want to know something about us. But, you know, the writer of Hebrews said, remember your leaders. This is Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Here's the best part. Mm -hmm. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Mm -hmm. That's good. And so, and then he goes on to say in in, in verse number 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls Mm -hmm. as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, when I say obey and submit, that's not this, you know, hey, I'm cracking the whip. You better do it my way or the highway mentality. I think we go to seed on that obey and authority. Big thing right now is church discipline. Why are we not, you know, uh, why are we not practicing church discipline? But I go back to that, you know, that verse Jesus said, you know, you're trying to pull uh, this speck out of your brother's eye, you better look, you got a big old beam stuck out of yours and yeah. stuff. And so uh, I think we need to kind of shift this thing back into reality for us pastors. Mm-hmm. And that is we're servants. Yeah, I'm a member of this church. My membership rests in Northside and I'm a servant just like the people that work 
in the nursery, just like the people that work at kids' side, just like the guys that stand at the front door and welcome new faces. We are on level ground, man. Right. We are all servants of the king. And when we go to differentiating levels of leadership in our church and start making a triangle and we've got the people who take out the trash at the bottom yeah. and we us pastors are at the pinnacle of that triangle, man, we've got this whole thing wrong because I want yeah. you to know if you follow the steps of Jesus, if you follow the steps of Jesus and you remember in John 13, he did the most lowest servant-like thing you can ever think of. Mm-hmm. He washed the feet of the very disciples that would actually deny him wow. and sell him out, wow. would not even be found near the cross. Mm-hmm. He washed their feet like a servant. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said? You do what I've done. Mm-hmm. And so... Man, I'm gonna tell you something. We need a reality check yeah. in the pulpit. Yeah. Well, I'm doing a okay. So, so it's uh, I'm doing a new study with my youth, um, with our our student ministry here with Echo Youth, and we're going through the Book of James, and the very first verse in the Book of James. And for those of you who don't know, James was Jesus's earthly brother. So after Mary gave birth to Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph were still married. <laughs> and they have they had more kids. Um, Jesus had earthly siblings, and James was one of those siblings. And in the way that James introduces himself um, in the book of James is he doesn't introduce himself as Jesus's brother. He doesn't give himself all this authority, and he doesn't brag on himself. He simply introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know a lot of brothers and sisters out there, but I want to tell you this. I would never, it'd be pretty hard um, for me to admit and to sort of position myself as like a, and the, in, the, in the language that James uses, bond, bond slave, like in the Old Testament. Um, and so I would, I would have a hard time submitting myself under my, uh, let alone my siblings' um, authority. But, but the perspective that James has, He's, he's sort of reminding the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, listen, it doesn't matter how well you are at doing this. It doesn't matter if you're a gifted speaker or you can lead worship or if you're doing the nursery ministry or if you're cleaning the church or if you're you know, uh, doing coffee ministry or if you're cutting the grass. From the pastor all the way down throughout the, the, the newest person in your church, it, it doesn't matter. We're all equally um, uh, equal. We're very equal. We're equal parts of this church. Now there are positions in the church, but, um, position, uh, position doesn't necessarily mean that it carries power. If you would agree with that, uh, position, position in the church does not mean that you have power. Uh, And that's something that's being, has been manipulated and twisted into the mindsets of people throughout the beginning of time, through all the way up into today. Um, and, and just to fall back towards, you know, the church, um, and the people who attend church, you know, the, the church is a very, is a very, uh, important thing to attend, but there is a difference between going to church and being the church. Mm -hmm. You would agree with that? Oh, big time. Yes. Like going to church is something that you do. Being the church is who you are. Being the church is what doesn't stop. Being the church is the moment you give your life to Christ, you're, you you become a part of the church. And so the ministry that goes, or the, the, the verse of scripture that 
Um, the, the thing that Jesus spoke to his disciples, to his followers right before he left the earth, he said, go you into all the world. Go into every part of the world and preach the gospel, share the gospel, love people the way you saw me love people. Go to the people you saw me go to. Do the things that you saw me do. Um, uh, say the things you, you heard me say. And that wasn't just applying to those people sitting on that hillside that day. That applies to to this day, to every single human being who's ever given their life to Christ, because now we are a part of the church, and the church has a very important role to play in the world that we live in as far as reaching people who are who have been labeled as unreachable, and being there for the people who, um, who have no one to go to. But ultimately, being a part of the church is being the voice of truth in a world full of absolute, so many, so many truths. We live in a day and age where you could literally log on to your phone, open your phone, and in five seconds have truth. So much information and all the, all the right truths about anything you want to know. And we live in a day and age where there's so much truth that it's hard to, det- it's hard to tell people what the actual absolute truth is without them being skeptical, skeptical about it and without them wanting to deny it. And so the church has a role to play, and that is to ultimately glorify God in everything that we do, how we live, how we speak, and then to be that voice of truth, that voice of hope. Jesus said it best himself, you're the salt and the light of the world. That, 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 is, a, that is a description of the church. Would you agree with that? Uh, I, I definitely agree with it. And you know, there's evidences in the Bible for faithfully attending church. Mm-hmm. There's so much evidence. And like in Acts chapter 2, you know, there was numerical records kept of people who were being saved. Right. And then you get to verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, and there was this tracking of growth. But here's what you need to understand. The tracking of growth centered around people being saved. Wow. God added to such that were saved. He added 3,000 that had been saved. And then you go to Acts chapter six and there was uh, church leaders that were appointed. The, Mm -hmm. the, the, the apostles were just becoming overwhelmed with, with ministry. And, and, and so they chose six men out full of the Holy ghost to serve tables. Mm -hmm. You know, our deacon boards nowadays more or less look like a board of directors for for, for a, co- a corporation uh-huh. yeah. and, and when they need to be out serving tables, serving people, serving church members so the pastors can do what? Pray, give themselves to the word of God. You come to Romans 16, there was this awareness of who belonged to what church mm. in verses one through six. But here's what you need to understand. These were churches that you couldn't go out on your front door and see them on the next corner. These were churches in geographical locations, Mm -hmm. separated by miles and miles of land. Mm -hmm. And they knew that, hey, that bunch goes to the church at Thessalonica. This bunch goes to the church at Ephesus. Hey, that guy over there goes to the church at Corinth. And so, man, we've got, we, you know, we come from an area where people swap church members like changing socks. Yeah. You know, I don't like the way the music is. I don't like the way the carpet is. I don't like the way the, the paint looks on the wall. So I'm going to go to the church next door, see if it has the right paint, see if it has the right music, see if it has the right... I don't like the pastor because he's too loud. I don't like the pastor because he's too... You know, we've turned church into like going to Golden Corral. I mean, we've got this buffet laid out before us. And if I don't want chicken, I can have steak. And if I don't want steak, I can have rice. And if I don't want rice, I can get beans. And so... We have this, uh, this, this mentality within people 
uh, and that supposedly are true believers that a church is supposed to be everything they hoped it to be and even more. Wow. Well, the bad thing about that is, is when they walk into the door, they ruin that mm -hmm. in a hurry because whatever was perfect about that church, the first person who enters the door makes it imperfect. And so <laughs> yeah. does the church preach the word of God? Is the final authority the word of God? Is Christ the head of the church? Is it full of the Holy Spirit? Are people being saved? Are we going around the world like Jesus said in Mark 16 and preaching the gospel? Are we serving uh, tables? Are we serving people? Are we taking care of our widows? You know, are we discipling people? Once they come to Christ, are we putting them into a program where they learn the word of God? They learn what it means to pray. They learn what it means to be faithful in church. Are people coming up to you and saying, hey, I want to serve. I want to do something. I want to, I want to be a part of what God's doing. And so this is what we need to understand. Here's what you need. Here's the way, best way to look at it. My hand on my right hand, my hand doesn't attend my body. Mm. It's a part of my body. Mm -hmm. It's a part of it. So everything my body does, my hand has to do it too. But, you know, when the day is over, my hand doesn't go his way. My other hand doesn't go his way. My foot doesn't go his way. My left foot doesn't go his way. No, they're a part. They don't attend the body. They are a part of the body. That's why we are the body of Christ. Yes. And so that is the way you look at it. And so when you're not in your spot, when you are not attending a local New Testament church, there is a part of the body that is missing. Now, we all can't be the hand. We all can't be the foot. We all cannot be an eye. We can't look at the hand and say, oh, I wish I was a hand because my part is not as important as yours. Listen, our body works as one unit. That's right. And so never have I watched my right hand gossip about my left. Mm -hmm. No, they kind of work together. And so they are one unit. And this is what's missing in our churches because we're not defining what a New Testament church looks like. Right. And that's why God said, hey, I need you to love one another. I need you to learn to forgive one another. I need you to know that when you do have a problem with somebody, you go to them and you can get that problem worked out because here's what God's saying ultimately. You can't do life alone. That's exactly right. You've got to do life with other believers. So you yeah. better keep the walls broken down yeah. of your differences, yeah. of your preferences and all this stuff, man. And I'm hoping and praying, Aaron, that right here at Northside, that is the message we are sending to yeah. this church and yeah. to this community that, man, we want to see God build a church in four stock. Well, that's that's the biggest. I love talking to people. I love talking to people about our church. Um, I love talking to people who don't attend our church and who have attended our church that don't, um, who haven't been in a while or that they have vocalized that they don't want to ever come back. And the biggest compliment to me as one of the pastors at this church, and the one thing that excites me the most is when people say, do you know who's going to your church and do you know what they've done? Do you know, you know, so-and-so down there, you know, they have a past, right? You know, so-and-so that comes to your church, you know, that they're, they're, they're not a good person. And in, in my mind, I'm like, yes, that is the that is the best thing I've ever wanted to hear because uh, I don't want a church full of people who have who've got everything they've ever needed. I don't want a church full of perfect people. I don't want a church full of people who know it all. I don't. We don't want to be pastoring a church uh, where people come and uh, they feel like they don't they don't need help. That they feel like their life is is you know perfect and and miraculous. Uh, we I, I remind people every single Sunday morning when I get up and we lead worship before we kick off worship. I remind our church uh, that we are a church. 
uh, full of imperfect people. Yeah. And the only people who do not fit in and the only people who do not belong at Northside Church and uh, to our church are perfect people. Because our church, all like I'm saying, all the way from the lead pastor all the way down, uh, we are all broken and all uh, equally sinful. And we all are in need of one Savior. And, uh, and I love that about our church is I don't think we've ever created a culture where there's like this atmosphere when you walk in that, you know, one person's better than everyone else or, or so-and-so's, you know, more equipped for heaven than this person because, you know, they've been in, born and raised in church and this one hasn't, or this one struggles with addiction and this one doesn't. Yeah. Uh, we have people in our church who are wealthy and we have people in our church who are, are, are struggling financially. We have people in our, our church who are very, um, very healthy. Their health isn't a good place position. And then we have people in our church who aren't very healthy. We have people in our church who are, who are, I'll just say it, the racial thing. We have people in our church who are white and we have people in our church who are Hispanic and we have people in our church who are African-American. Well, gosh, we have a family in our, who's a part of our church who are, who come from India. They're from India, from across Mm -hmm. the nation, uh, from across the world. And, and, and to be completely honest with you, what you see is, is a glimpse of heaven. Because in heaven, it's going to be a bunch of people who were from all walks of life with all different kinds of stories. And so when you walk into church, if you're looking, if you have a checklist that you're saying, what is the perfect church? What is the church that I need to be a part of? And your list consists of, well, I want people who, you know, dress like I would dress. And I want the music to be the songs that I like. And I want the pastor to touch on the subjects that I only want him to touch on. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be touched or, or hugged on. And if you're looking for those things, then you're going to have a very hard time finding a, a church home for you and your family. But when you go through the list that my dad just gave of, you know, is the Bible being taught front to back? The inerrant, the inerrant word of God unapologetically preached. Um, are there, is the church full of people who, when they step foot in a, into the door, you know, the blue collar and white collar thing just disappears and we all become equally broken who love one another and who are loved by God? Uh, is the Holy Spirit present in the church? Are people stepping up to serve people in the church? Those are the things that we need to look for. Sure. And so uh, the, I guess the final thing that I want to touch on is sort of a charge. Uh, is, is should, how, what priority um, does church land? What, on our list of priorities, where should church land on the list of priorities in our lives? As a, as, like a, as a follower of Christ, maybe as a family member, maybe as a husband, a wife, a college student, a high school student, whoever you may be, um, male or female, on your list of priorities, where does church fall on that list of priorities? The only answer I can give to that is a biblical answer. and That's what we want, a biblical answer. We don't want an answer that you, know, you and I just come up with. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And let me tell you something. Collectively in corporate worship is a vital part, get this, of your spiritual life. That's good. When Jesus wrote that, when Jesus said that, that's good. When Matthew wrote that and Jesus said it, Jesus was warning about apostasy. Mm. And apostasy is a falling away from the faith. And this is what Jesus was saying. We as believers, we will be assured in our hearts that we will not fall away from the faith as long as we're gathering together in the name. Now, you know, in the Jewish culture, it took 10 people in order for there to be an actual synagogue. Right. Jesus said, I'm going to show up where there's two or three gathered 
in my name. Yeah. And so that alone tells me that if I'm in a church that is not gathering in the name of Jesus, I need to get out because guess who's not going to be there? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And so the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Mm. And so we need to understand that if we want to have a strong spiritual life, and before I am a husband, Aaron, before I'm your dad, before I'm Alan's dad, Bethany's dad, before I'm a husband to your mom, I've got to focus on my relationship with God. That's because right. I'm going to tell you something, if my spiritual life is lacking, then I'm going to be a sorry husband and a terrible father to you three. And so this is what Jesus is saying. You need to gather together mm-hmm. to ensure that your, listen, that your spiritual life stays alive. Yeah. And I come to church to do what? Maintain my spiritual life. So I don't run the risk of falling away from the faith. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? Perilous times are coming. We're in them. And it's going to get worse. And one place I can go to refuel and to get recharged and to get encouraged and to be edified and to learn about God is church. Now, yeah, I could do it at home. I could do it in my office listening to church on uh, on the internet, but there's no gathering in that. Right. There's no coming together as God's people in right. that. The church home movement is gone, man. We we left that a long time ago in the book of Acts. I mean, if we were under persecution, yes, I can understand meeting in the basement of somebody's home, but we're not under persecution. All that is is a bunch of people that want to do things their way, have it their way, and try to build their own perfect world. And I got news for them, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. All right. And I don't think it's people that have a problem with the authority of the church. I think it's people that have authority with the word of God. That's that's their wow. problem. They don't want to fall under the, the authority of the book. And so it's a vital part. I think that's the way people ought to look at it. Hey, if I'm going to grow as a believer, if I'm going to grow as a father, if I'm going to grow as a mother, if I'm going to grow as a wife, grow as a husband, whatever that whatever that looks like for you, whatever that part of your life is, you've got to be in a solid Bible teaching, preaching church Yes. that will get up in your stuff, yes. will let the word of God cut and chop away like a two-edged sword. And then when you leave, you don't feel defeated. You don't feel down. You don't feel like, okay, what, what, what was the pastor talking about today? You feel like, okay, I've been encouraged. I've been challenged. I've been convicted. Mm-hmm. I got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. And it makes you not a better person. Nowhere in the word of God does it say God's trying to make us a better person, but we need to make us more like Jesus. Yeah. That's what we want. That's right. So the chisel and the hammer and the anvil you got to be at church for God to pound on you a little bit yeah. and chisel away at you a little bit. And so it's a vital part of your spiritual life. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Bottom I agree. Line. And as a youth pastor, I see so many students and I talk to so many parents. And and I and this is I love this. I love this. And this, this is crazy and I love this. But I talk to so many students um, each and every week who are facing so many issues and are going through things that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. And, you know, the one thing that I see lacking 
in that household with the students and with the parents or whatever it is, is, you know, one, one question I always ask is, are you going to church? And nine times out of 10, it's always no. And, and I, and I always make it a point to, to sort of remind parents to, uh, to create this, um, this, I know I wouldn't say tradition, just a conviction in your household that we're going to church every time the doors are open. If, if it's a Sunday morning and you have a, and your coach is scheduled, scheduled you having a baseball game on that Sunday morning, well, I'm sorry, Johnny, but you're not going to play baseball that, 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 that morning. Um, if you got football practice on Wednesday night, then I'm sorry, honey, we're not going to go to practice on Wednesday night. You're going to church. And people think, oh, well, that doesn't make me a cool parent. And that's not the, you know, most hip thing to do. And, you know, I have to, you know, we, we have to remind people and we have to be aware as, as, as an adult um, that, you know, the, the, your, our kids are the next church. That's the future church. And so if you want to see a, a church thrive and you want to see your kids um, growing in their relationship with God, then we need to be reminding them and, and, and teaching them that you have to be in church in order for you to grow spiritually. Now, does church is church the only place where you can grow spiritually? And is church the only place you read the Bible and worship God? No, we already established that at the beginning of this episode, that church doesn't stop. But it is, a, it is an, an extremely important thing, like Dad just shared in Scripture, that believers are to gather together in a geographical location at a church and, and, and not only hear from the Word of God, but build relationship with other, other believers. And so, very important. very important. But uh, but I think this this was a great episode. I, I think this was a, I think this was a great first episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Um, if you if you we would we want to hear from you. We we want you to give us topics. Maybe you have some questions about faith or church or God or the Bible, or maybe you just have questions about life in general that you would like to hear us talk about um, with the help of the Holy Spirit and uh, with God's Word. Um, we would love for to hear from you. So if you do not, you can follow our, if you don't already, you can follow our church's Facebook page and Instagram account. Um, it, it, the tag name is at Northside Church TX. Uh, again, that is at Northside Church TX. That is both on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, and shoot us a message. Drop a comment on on one of the posts. Let us know what you would love to hear uh, in the upcoming episodes. Uh, I believe that this is going to be a blessed. We believe that this is going to be a blessed thing. This podcast is going to be a ministry that reaches and blesses so many of you. We hope and pray that today blessed you. Um, it was a great topic. We hope that church, you know, is it gets you excited to be in church. I love church. I love being in church. Being in church is something that I look forward to so much during the week. It's an exciting place to be. And let me shoot an invitation out to you. If you live in in Fort Stockton or, or in any community around Fort Stockton and you don't have a church home that you consider a church home, we would love to have you a part of Northside. We would love to see you here on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights or during Bible studies. So yeah, get online, find out, find out some, uh, some information about who we are. We would love to meet you in person. Uh, but until then, until next week, we will see you guys next week. We hope you have a blessed day. Um, uh, but until then, yeah, we hope you have a great day. I, uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Scott. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye.